Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sarah Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host Sarah Davison shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sarah Davison. Welcome back to the show. And today, my guest is Benjamin Pluke. Ben ascended from a long line of body healers and started observing his father's treatment from an early age and then continued training as a young apprentice. He later completed a four-year master's in osteopathy. The philosophy of medicine that guides his work focuses on balance, balance of gravity, and with movement of our joints, organs, and circulation. He's worked with people of all ages and varied professions, from Hollywood actors and Olympic athletes to businessmen and women. He is also a very good friend of mine and has helped me and my son with many different aspects of our health and well-being. So I am super excited to welcome Ben Plute to the show. Welcome, Ben. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Obviously, I know you personally and you've treated me and my son for many different issues and you've been amazing. So I wanted to share everything you do with my listeners. So please tell us a little bit about you and what you do. So I'm an osteopath and I was initially trained in manual therapy by my father as a child and then later did the master's in London. My style of treatment focuses on balancing the body. So whether we're looking at the joints and muscles or to some extent, organs. So we balance from head to toe. And I really love that because I've had lots of different treatments over the past few years for different things, like my back and my neck. And I know that I carry a lot of stress in my body. So. Whilst I might think I'm coping pretty well mentally, sometimes my body will be giving me different signs, like maybe neck ache or arm ache or back ache, whatever it is. So how does stress affect our bodies? Is, it, is that true that you can carry some of that emotional trauma or stress around with you in your body? Yes, absolutely. One of the first things that happens in a stressed event is our breathing changes. Normally, we start to use only the upper mechanics of breathing. We stop using our diaphragm. And along with that, the posture can change very quickly. Now, we're talking about the active posture, how we hold ourselves. So the common stressed posture is to slump forwards. And then all we can really use is our upper chest. This is more of that sort of ongoing stressful event. We start to collapse in which limits our breathing potential, which limits so many other things, normal circulation, the body's ability to process used hormones, spent hormones and waste products, so they all start to accumulate. So it, just, it starts to have a very widespread effect, not only on our general health that we could perceive as say the general physical health, but because of the inability to process hormones and then to get wonderful fresh hormones to calm us down, we can't. So then the whole thing starts to become circular. So the physical state, 
elongates the emotional stress because of those hormones not being able to process properly. So what are the signs? Because, you know, I know for me, it might be a certain point in my body that usually feels pain. Maybe it's my neck or my lower back. Is that how it works? You have somewhere that tends to be a weaker point? How does, how does that manifest? So, yes, the most common area for people to feel physical discomfort because of stress will be neck and shoulders. And that's, again, because of the rib cage. The muscles that lift the upper rib cage for our stressed breathing all attach into the neck and shoulder. And they're not really supposed to be doing the role of breathing, they're supposed to be doing other things. So because of that extra stress, those muscles get overworked. They themselves can not able, won't be able to get as adequate nutrition in or waste products out, and that's why they start to ache and hurt. So the pain can come around the front of the neck, back of the neck, headaches because it limits the, the, the brain's ability to drain so easily, shoulder pain, upper back pain. So yes, these, these are the most common symptoms. Then it can go into digestive distress because of this compressed posture and the lungs inability to use the diaphragm that inhibits digestion. So then you get digestive stress and so on, lower back pain has a massive impact on and general menstrual health. So the menstrual cycle will get impacted directly again because of that posture. It compresses the muscles, these wonderful muscles that are called the psoas muscles. People can refer to them as hip flexors, but they can play a mechanical role in making it more difficult for the menstrual cycle to progress, which further can complicate the hormonal plateau and then somebody's mental state as well as their physical well-being. With all these things happening, then you start to worry about, well, what's wrong? Why is this out? Why is that out? I know when I went through some real trauma, I couldn't eat. I mean, when I went through my divorce, I didn't eat for months and I lost a lot of weight, but actually the thought of eating and actually physically eating just made me feel even more sick. Mm -hmm. So actually other things shut down. And then I guess that has an impact on other parts of your body, right? So the thing that's quite profound in this stress response there's something called the part of the autonomic nervous system. So we have our voluntary nervous system, I want to move my hands and legs, and then we have the autonomics that control heartbeat, hormone release, etc. And the one that's considered the stress part of our autonomic system, the sympathetics, that runs up and down our spine. So if our posture changes and irritates mechanically that sympathetic nervous system, the ropes of those nerves, then we're getting signals telling certain things to start happening and stop happening. Increased heart rate, increased blood to our muscles, but decreased blood to our digestive system, which is why a lot of people lose their appetite, or if their stress goes on for a long period of time, the appetite moves to just quick sugars rather than all oh, you consider the balanced diet. I know that I've experienced all these things, you know, changes in the menstrual cycle, not feeling hungry, then being starving, then craving sugar, which I don't eat much of, but then I'll suddenly want it and then start eating it, which then makes me feel really bad because I'm not used to eating it. So I guess just that one thing can trigger lots of things. Like you said that it's your posture. Once that changes, you're not talking about sort of slumping at your desk while you're writing there, are you? What, what, do, you, what do you mean by a posture? So yes and no. So there are two main ways to simplify looking at posture. 
So passive posture, we can talk about the actual way that somebody's spinal or vertebral column sit on top of each other. And what we generally need in, in a healthy posture that deals with gravity and life well are certain curves. We call them lordoses and kyphoses. And so that's like the passive posture. The active posture is how we stand and sit. Now that's where we as individuals going through long-term stress can have an impact directly on our well-being. Because if we curl ourselves up, it makes it hard for us to breathe. It makes it hardest for us to get circulation to key organs like the digestive tract, the menstrual system, our heart, our lungs, it makes everything more difficult, which can exaggerate that stress response. But if we open ourselves up and get a very, and just mechanically, no matter how stressed or upset we're feeling, but if we mechanically bring ourselves into a very open position, open the legs, open the arms and the chest, and we can do what are called power posing, which uh, I was gonna plan to reference this, uh, and the lady's name is Amy Cuddy, if you want to look further into that but power posing can really help in the moment of chronic stress to alleviate some of those symptoms, start to get better circulation in and start to lead to recovery. Oh, I like the sound of that, power posing. So tell me, yes. what, what is that? It's very simply opening up the structure. It has a very immediate mechanical effect on your well-being, but because of trying to almost starting to change the mechanical stress, on the autonomic system, it starts to allow the body to move into a relaxed autonomics, the parasympathetics, decrease the tone, the neurological tone of the sympathetics, allows for a more relaxed state of hormones to release. It's quite remarkable how simple changing in posture can help. And then you can add the next layer of breathing, breathing techniques. So you start the power pose, and then if you want to, you can start doing very simple, deep breathing. Hand on the belly really helps. Breathing further into the diaphragm rather than relying on these short breaths in the upper chest. So you add breathing to power posing, and you can make a profound state to your immediate well-being, which will then might help you deal with what's actually going on in your life. Very powerful. I, I talk a lot about shifting your body language when you're going through a difficult time because that instantly makes a difference. But then obviously coming to see you, that also works on a deeper level. Like, you know, that's where you're talking about the curves and how the bones are aligned. So we talk, we, we might generally know of muscles and bones, but there's another thing that we call talk about called fascia. And to simplify it, you can think of it like layers of skin that wrap the whole of our insides together into different networks. And by doing these active poses and breathing exercises, we can start to have an impact on that fascial habit. But that's when something along the lines of manual therapy can help to assist those systems release. It will generally help somebody's drainage to improve, help somebody's circulation improve, both of which will help to reduce those unhelpful hormone responses, those unhelpful sympathetic tone, get the person into a more of a parasympathetic state so they can relax. And that's what manual therapy in general can achieve. 
just by relaxing the structures of the body, it's almost reinforcing that power pose or that, or that altered body language so that the person can start to settle and deal with their lives more easily. So interesting because I think a lot of people don't think that trauma can be stored in the body. I think, you know, people think, oh, well, I'll you know, process it mentally. I'll deal with it. Maybe I'll talk about it. Um, but it's true, isn't it, that, that some of that emotional trauma just stays in your body and can be re-triggered at any time. So some people might really have that stiff upper lip. So an event occurs, but they won't respond. They will stay calm that response actually is so it's like the opposite of doing this it's then holding this fighting st stance so that's doing almost the opposite but still increasing that what we can call adrenal response or sympathetic response and then obviously the other one the person collapses so both of those are going to have exactly so somebody can get into the habit of either of those so not only are, are there going to be different fascial tensions that will inhibit different parts of the body moving more easily to resolve the emotional trauma from a hormonal point of view, if somebody's holding that fighting stance, it might take them a very long time. It could even take them years to actually release and let go. Say if somebody's going through bereavement, the actual grief can happen a long time after the event. And it could be sometimes because of that held fighting stance where they're not willing to actually find that, or they can't find the chance to relax, grieve and move on. If it is true then, and I, I've seen this myself, that sometimes we hold on to it just because I guess in some ways we're scared, aren't we? I mean, if you do release that, what can happen? Because suddenly to sort of start releasing some of those pretty strong negative emotions, what should we be aware of and maybe looking out for? I would, so, and it's not going to be easy, that's the reality. And a lot of the time there are other dependents that we're looking after or involved with, and we don't want to almost fall apart in front of them. But if we can find a safe place, maybe a friend, a close family member, or, or a professional, that we can feel like it's okay. In this environment, it's okay because all sorts can come out. Tears, obviously, you might want to shout, you might want to do all these things as the body is almost working through that stress, not just from a psychological perspective, but also from getting those hormones processed through the body. It's not uncommon during manual therapy for people to just finally relax. And then lots of tears come out. It's very, very possible. I wouldn't say necessarily common, but it's definitely very possible for that to happen. And if somebody's going to a professional, there's no need to feel embarrassed. Yeah, but the, uh, tears are very likely. I think it's a, it's a really good piece of advice because actually you're finally letting go of some of those negative emotions. You're actually allowing yourself to grieve you know, the trauma, the loss, whatever the, the, the issue is that you're, you've been holding in. So actually, it's a really healthy sign that you're actually making good progress. So I guess it's something that we should embrace. Um, and yeah, make sure, I guess, that you've got support around you so that you can pull yourself back up out of that. 
I mean, I, I find it fascinating and, and I, I suppose I probably wouldn't have believed in it as much if I hadn't have experienced, you know, all different types of manual therapy, as you call it. But obviously working with you, that osteopathy that really releases a lot of that. And in the moment, it makes you feel really sleepy as well, doesn't it? I mean, for me, <laughs> when I finished the session with you, and it's not because Ben's really boring, I can promise you that, but I just want to sleep. I just want to kind of, and I feel a bit cold sometimes as well. And I, I just want to sleep. Is that normal, Ben? That's very, very common. And so the body, once we finally can get into that parasympathetic state, now the body wants to rest and repair and digest. Doesn't want to send blood to the muscles. We don't want, we don't need to do this anymore. It, the body will very likely want to just be very still, fall asleep if it can. And the cold thing is very common. When the body's starting to actually repair and heal organs, it will take the blood out of our limbs and our face, which will make us feel cold. And just a random side note, would people feel warm and extra heat when they drink alcohol because it's a stressor on the body which sends blood to our, our limbs and our face. So we feel warm, but the core body temperature might be actually dropping. It's just a random side note. This is the opposite of that. The parasympathetic is taking the blood back to the organs for repair, digestion, and so we can rest. So cold and sleepiness, very, very common. It's a good, good sign. <laughs> good, good, good. No, I mean, I, I always feel, you know, especially the next day, just feel rejuvenated and stronger mentally, weirdly. So does it have an impact, even though you're dealing with the physical body, do you find that it really does have an impact on mental health as well? Are you struggling to cope with your breakup or divorce? Are you feeling devastated, heartbroken, sad and anxious? If so, please know that you are not alone and there is help available. Sarah Davison, best known as the Divorce Coach, and her team of accredited coaches are here to offer you the support and guidance you need to navigate all areas of your breakup, take back your control and start feeling happy again. Sarah will show you how to dial down those controlling negative emotions, unhook from your ex, Get back in the driving seat of your life and design a future you are excited to live. Sarah has a range of solutions to support any breakup, including free guides, one-to-one -one coaching, her Heartbreak to Happiness virtual retreats, live retreats, and you can even train to be a breakup and divorce coach with Sarah too. Visit www.saradavison.com today and start to feel happy again. <laughs> good, good, good. No, I mean, I, I always feel, you know, especially the next day, just feel rejuvenated and stronger mentally, weirdly. So does it have an impact, even though you're dealing with the physical body, do you find that it really does have an impact on mental health as well? In terms of the scientific literature, there may be studies that talk about that, but from a very simple perspective, just looking at the anatomy, if the, if the posture, the muscles and the alignment are more relaxed, then we're going to be able to get into, we, we generally want to function in a state which is more parasympathetic, more relaxed than stressed for most of the day. And so if the whole body is able to be more relaxed mechanically, it's easier for us to be in that state. 
which will give us more actual functional energy rather than panicked energy. So we can feel more mentally alert, more mentally well, just because we're getting better circulation. Circulation has a big impact on our mood, on our mental acuity, how, how alert we feel in general. That's relaxed alertness, not panicked alertness. Yeah, because I think when you're going through a breakup, especially, which obviously a lot of my listeners are, quite often you find yourself in that fight or flight mode. There doesn't seem to be much peace. You're either panicking because you've got a really nasty legal letter or you're crying because you're missing someone or you're dealing with that heartbreak. So that fight or flight and then the panic, you know, that adrenaline surge. Have you got any tips for managing that when it comes up? So that's where those simple mechanical changes to your body language, to, your, to do some type of power posing that opened up space find a breathing exercise that you like. There are these wonderful apps now we can get on our phones that can help with these breathing exercises. In the moment, take yourself out of wherever you are if, you, if you're with other people, but bathroom breaks, fantastic. Just get yourself somewhere where there's no other people around. Put yourself in this more open posture and see if you can start to take control over your breathing rate, how quickly you're breathing and your breathing depth it'll have an immediate effect on your stress levels. When these things are happening, you might have to do this many times. Just because you feel better, it's, it's maybe obvious that the event hasn't actually finished yet. So you can, that's what's so nice about the power posing and the breathing is you can just keep doing it. There's no limit to how much you can do. That's very true. I think, you know, it's, it's about learning to take control back and recognizing when these things are going on. Because a lot of us, mm -hmm maybe don't even consciously think, ah, oh, this is my body needing me to breathe. So this is really good information. Now, I touched a little bit on heartbreak there. I'm always fascinated by heartbreak because even though it is technically an emotional pain, it actually can feel like a real physical pain. Can you explain to us a little bit about why that is? So pain is fascinating. The science of pain is fascinating. Sometimes you can talk about pain almost as an emotion on its own because of the way that it's actually processed in the body. We'll have the mechanical signal of pain coming from our body into the spinal cord. And not getting into too many details, but that can increase or decrease the signal. And then eventually to the brain and the limbic system, this old part of the brain. And there, that part of the brain will almost amplify or decrease that signal of pain and then give it to our conscious part of our brain, our prefrontal cortex. So the actual sensation of pain is a manufactured process by our limbic system in our brain. And that doesn't necessarily have to be from a, from a physical impact. We can feel what manifests as physical pain from a serious mental stress, very, very common. And the serious mental stress can exaggerate physical pain. So for example, a lot of people, when they say I have a broken heart, they actually feel chest pain. And that can be for many reasons. It can be because going back to that posture, it makes it hard to breathe, the ribs get sore, the muscles around the ribs get sore, so they're actually getting physical pain from the muscles. 
and the shoulder and the neck can all tighten up. So they're actually getting physical pain. But even without that, the weird way the pain referral patterns is through that psychological difficulty. The limbic system can just have different referral patterns for that almost psychological injury that manifests in the physical body. Heartbreak is, is heart, yeah, heartbreak is the most common. People actually, I have felt it as well myself, actual physical pain from a sudden bad news or bad event. Fascinating because I know a lot of my clients often say to me, Sarah, but it actually really hurts. Like I actually feel like something's broken inside me. So that really explains it. If I mean you said there's something about sort of an ongoing pain. If you have an injury, maybe from the past, maybe you know, maybe it's um, you know, a, a, a lower back injury or a leg injury, maybe can that does stress find those weaker points and target those or do you think it, it finds new places to go because we were talking very much about stress in the neck and the upper body but you know I've got clients who have knee issues and they seem to flare up when they're stressed is that related at all yes the the term or concept that at least in osteopathy we talk about is something called tensegrity but it simply means the say the head is connected to the feet through lots of complicated paths. So everything's connected together and it's a contained system. So if part of the body's affected, say in the foot, it's going to have a knock-on effect eventually to the whole system. So if the body is generally going through a stressful event, that's going to have an impact from head to toe. So if somebody has a history of knee injuries, even if they haven't actually hurt them, hurt their knee, because of the stress the whole body's going through, that old injury can flare up because everything else isn't working as well. I get it. So, so because everything else is under pressure, then it creates these pockets of weakness, I suppose. Yeah. Gosh, I mean, this is really fascinating. Now, if people are going through the middle of a breakup or maybe it's just started, these things are going to be ongoing. They're not going to be something that, you know, unfortunately is going to go away quickly as, you know, with a bereavement or anything like that. So learning to live with this and manage this is, is I guess, is important. So, you know, if someone is looking to try other things to release some of that trauma, how often would you recommend that people see somebody and, and what should they be looking for in a therapist, especially? So the most important thing for people is to find some agency themselves, to find some way that they can always do a little bit of something to help themselves on their own in the moment when they need it. And to make a regular habit of that is very, very helpful, even if they feel well that particular day, just to keep on doing whatever their power pose breathing exercise is. So in terms of how often to see a professional therapist, that also comes down to the individual. For example, somebody might, for whatever reason, find it reasonably simple to deal with what they're doing, going through. So they might have a session once, they're given some advice that they can follow, and they're okay for months and months and months. Other people will need more ongoing support because the environment they're in is just too much. So it really does depend on the individual and the circumstances that they're living through. Also their health status before this stressful event arrived. 
all of those things, it's, to say, it's very difficult to then say in a general way how often, because it really will depend on the individual's circumstances. And what somebody, what I personally look for when I go for treatment as well, is I really appreciate it when people take into account my whole body, so head to toe, rather than just the one bit I might be having problem with that day. I also like people who can spend enough time as well, especially if somebody's going through some stressful event in their life. When sessions are too short, sometimes I'm almost stressed by the briefness of the session. So yes, I, personally, I'd look for somebody who can provide a longer treatment session to give me time to almost get through that emotional part as well as doing the physical work as well. How do you find that, you know, especially with your sessions, I know you stay until it's, you know, it's done. And sometimes that can be, you know, shorter. Sometimes it takes a bit longer, but you always do that. I mean, it's interesting as, as somebody that is predominantly obviously a manual therapist, you must have to learn to deal with a lot of emotions because there is a big part of your work that is dealing with the emotions, I guess, that are trapped. So how do you manage that? Well, I get a lot of help from my meditation and my meditation teacher. That sort of stability is, is something I completely rely on. If I can somehow keep my meditation practice going to get that stability, then I'm more able to almost support what the person's going through. If I don't fall apart, then they might be able to put themselves back together. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I really love that. Ben, I mean, I think what you've been talking about here has been really helpful. I think a lot of people out there listening may be dealing with the talking about it and trying to process it and taking control. I talk a lot about that in these podcast episodes. Um, and we have actually interviewed on here uh, Charlie Morley, who I know is a, a good friend of yours, who is a breathing expert. So those breathing exercises, if you are interested in that, go into a lot more detail about those with Charlie, who's an absolute expert in that. So do check out that episode. I mean, I think, you know, understanding how trauma is carried in the body can also give people just another way of dialing down some of that intensity of the trauma and working through it. So thank you so much. Um, before we go, I have one last question that I ask all my guests. Uh, my podcast is called Heartbreak to Happiness. And I think it's really, really important to recognize what happiness is so that you can enjoy it, even if it's just little snippets along the way through whatever you're dealing with. So what is happiness for you, Ben? I like nature in general. Sunsets, walking through countryside and animals. <laughs> I have 16 chickens that give me lots of joy. <laughs> and, uh, and a lovely puppy. And obviously my, uh, my friends and family. It's, it's joy in nature, animals and people. Well, me too. I'm the same on that one. Where can people find you if they want to find out more information about you? They can look at my website, which is benkluke.com, and it has all my information there. But thank you so much, Ben, for sharing. I think a lot of people would find this absolutely fascinating. So thank you for being a fabulous guest. Thank you for having me. That's it for today's episode. Be sure to head on over to benpluke.com to find out more about Ben. And I look forward to you joining me on my next episode.
That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to one of Sara's virtual retreats. The retreats are a transformative combination of live webinars with Sara herself, coupled with empowering online video programs designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. For more details, head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com, where you can also get a copy of Sara's free gift. Thank you and join us again on the next episode for another dose of Heartbreak to Happiness. Heartbreak to Happiness.